like another sword drill this evening. Uh, we've got uh, much uh, to learn, and, uh, and by no means will we make, make it through all of this handout, so don't be disheartened. You see a seven-page handout uh, in the back, thinking, oh man, pastor's at it again, right? Well, don't be dismayed. We'll, take, we'll break it up, divide it up into some, Lord willing, some more, uh, uh, more uh, easy sections there, more palatable, I should say. But our desire is that God would help us and teach us great and mighty things. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that, uh, I'm thankful for the church. Aren't you thankful for, for church? Uh, turning your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Timothy. First uh, Timothy, chapter number 3. First Timothy, chapter number 3. Again, we, we are going through our church's statement of faith. Uh, certainly at the top of the, of the first page, you see the excerpt uh, taken from our church's uh, statement of faith, uh, which is found in our Constitution and bylaws, and we're, it's, it's doctrine, right? And we're thankful for truth. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse number 15, Paul writes and, sa- and says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Aren't you thankful in a day like today we can have truth? That you can know truth. Uh, the Word of God is truth. And Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, in verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Uh, sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. And uh, we're thankful for the truth of God's Word tonight and how it's and how it's available in our own heart language right here in the Word of God. But notice on page number one, again, we're talking this evening, begin our study on the Holy Spirit of God. And notice uh, what our statement is concerning our belief in the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit of God is a person who has personality and all the attributes of deity. We believe the Holy Spirit has always been involved in the affairs of mankind. However, we believe He has a special ministry that began at Pentecost and will continue until the rapture. Uh, This ministry includes reproving the world of sin, uh, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, The Holy Spirit was also sent to regenerate, sanctify, seal, and fill all who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit of God is real. He is a real person. He's not not some mystical force or a figment of our imagination. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of uh, of 1 John, please. The book of 1 John. In 1 John chapter 5, again, we believe the Holy Spirit is God. Co-equal, co-eternal. Eternally existent with God. We believe in one God who manifests Himself in three persons. We've already seen God. We've seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we find ourselves studying the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, and verse number 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. You turn back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, we find uh, another statement concerning uh, the, the, one, the one true God. There's one God, but again, there's three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4, a very prominent verse or popular verse, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord. We are not polytheistic. How many of you know what polytheism is? Poly means many. Uh, theistic means, speaks of, of God or a God, a deity. We are monotheistic because the Word of God speaks concerning one true and living God. We don't worship a whole host uh, of different gods like the Hindus do. We actually believe in the one true and living God. And all, the Bible says all other gods are idols. 
and uh, we have and we know we know the Lord and we're thankful for that and our desire is to is to gather a deeper understanding of who God is so let's let's dive in here this evening and uh, for our first section here on page number one is the personality of the Holy Spirit he is a real person therefore he has a real personality uh, isn't that interesting how many of you have a personality how many of you wish that you had a different kind of personality you know uh, well, we all have a personality, but God has a personality. Even in, the, in our statement of faith, we, made the, uh, we say that God is a person who has a personality. Uh, and so notice, there are three great characteristics that really form, I guess, uh, the, the personality of God. Uh, he has an intellect. God has an intellect. We turn to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8, God is intelligent. The Bible refers to God as the only wise God, or the God only wise. He has intellect, he's intelligent, he's smart. His, his wisdom is past finding out. I mean, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, in verse number 27, it says, And uh, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God knows uh, that the, the, the Spirit has a mind. He has an intellect. What is the mind of God? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever... What's, what is the mind of God? Uh, what, what, what does God think about certain things? You know, over, over the course of this month, uh, sadly, we are touching some hot topic issues. I say sadly because they shouldn't be hot topic issues. You know, these, these issues concerning our homes and our families, the Lord settled them a long time ago, and, uh, but in our secular culture has made family, has made uh, gender uh, something that God never intended it to be. We have, we, so we have all of these issues that we face, but God has a mind, and this is the mind of God. The Word of God is the mind of God. You want to know what God thinks about things? Just crack open the pages of the Word of God and He'll show you what God, what He believes and what he, uh, how He feels about things. But notice, He also has emotion. How many of you have emotion? How many of you use your emotion or your emotions kind of uh, uh, manifest themselves at some point over the last 24 hours? You know, you know there's great enthusiasm when the snow started to come, right? Oh, more snow. Woo-hoo. Could be worse, you know. We've got a dear brother here from Texas, you know. Could have no electricity, right? Um, you know, but we think of, we, we think of emotion. We're, we're happy. We're sad. We're complacent, right? We, we have emotion. But God also has emotion. Turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4. And and notice what the Word of God says in verse number 30. The Bible instructs us saying, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Lord. How many of you have ever heard something and your spirit, your heart has grieved? It's hurt. The same is true with God. You and I can grieve the Lord. We can grieve God by our disobedience, by our rebellion, by the waywardness of our lives, by our carelessness and casualness concerning the things of God and His Word. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. But if we can grieve God, do you think God can be pleased with us? Yeah, absolutely. If, God, if we can make God sad, then certainly we can make Him glad. God has emotion. As a matter of fact, Jesus wept. Uh, when, when Lazarus died and was placed uh, in that tomb, when, when Jesus showed up in Bethany four days late, and, and uh, uh, Mary and Martha came to Him and, and, and wept, and they said, Lord, if He had been here, He would not have died. Right? And as Jesus looked around and, and, and saw that, that awful scene, everybody there grieving and mourning, he wept. 
Friends, Jesus cares. The Lord cares. The Holy Spirit of God has emotion. But notice He also has a will. He has a will. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And notice what the Bible says here concerning the will of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 11, of course, this chapter is speaking about uh, spiritual gifts. And we'll, we'll get to these here in a little while. If, probably not this week. But uh, at some point, and I know lots of people have questions about charismatic ideas, uh, which God's Word answers, by the way. Um, even in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Lord tells us that all that stuff has gone away because we have the Word of God. That which is perfect is come. Right? We're thankful for that. But we look here in verse number 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, notice, dividing to every man severally as he will. He has a will. At the moment of salvation, the Lord gives me abilities or talents that I can use for His glory. He, he's given you innate abilities to relate to people, to preach the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, to administer. The book of Romans has the best list the most accurate list for today. It's interesting that, uh, that the list given in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is an earlier list given chronologically. And when you come to the book of, Revel, uh, to the book of Romans, many of the gifts have already passed from the scene because they're not mentioned in the book of Romans. It's, that's interesting to know. But God has a will. He He gives you abilities. He gives us talent as His people to accomplish His work. Severally, as He will. I was talking to to somebody the other day, and uh, he said, well, the only thing I I do around that church is is this thing, and they listed something. I said, never never minimize what God allows you to do in the local church. There is, there is no small job in the local church. Uh, there is nothing that we can turn our nose to or, 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 or look down upon. As a matter of fact, notice, remaining in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, notice what the Bible says in verse 14. Uh, actually, let's just keep... Let's, uh, verse number 13 says, "...for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body." whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. At the moment of salvation, we're baptized in the Spirit, placed in the body of Christ. We'll talk about that eventually as well. But he says, for the body is not one member, but many. We look around the room. We are, we are, we are a church, right? We are one body, but we look around. There's many members here this evening. One body, many members. It says... If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? It says, and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, uh, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem uh, to be more feeble are necessary. And, and those members of the body which uh, we think to be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh, that there should be no schism in the body, 
but that the members should have the same care one for another. Friends, we look around, we're many members, one body, there's not one person in this room that is less important than someone else. Everyone in this building, everyone in this church is uniquely gifted of God to help carry out the purposes set forth in the Word of God for the church. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But notice also, as we look back here, uh, we find the Holy Spirit's actions. He's a real person. He has intellect, emotion, and will, but he also has actions. Notice what the Holy Spirit does. In Acts chapter 13, we find that he speaks. Turn to Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, we find uh, the, the, the first missionary sent out of the church in Antioch, uh, Saul and Barnabas. And the Bible says in verse number 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. It is God who said, the Holy Ghost who said, the Holy Ghost speaks. Are you living in a manner where you can hear the voice of God? Not in some weird way, friends. But do you, do you hear the Lord as He speaks to you? You know, there may be situations in life that you face, desires that, that God has placed within your heart, and you may never know what God would have for you if you're not listening. I'm reminded of Samuel in the Old Testament as he slept in his bed that night and God began to speak to Samuel. As he laid there in his bed, he, God spoke. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And he thinking it was Eli that had spoken, got up and went in and woke Eli up. Said, Eli, what's... Eli was the priest and Samuel was serving with him there. He said, what is it? He said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this went on a couple times and finally Eli perceived that it was the Lord speaking to Samuel. And he instructed that little boy and he said, the next time you hear that voice, you say, you answer saying, speak Lord for thy servant heareth. Christian, we must get to the place in our lives where we can allow the Word of God, we can allow God to speak to us. You know the great difficulty though? There are so many voices in this world. So many things in this world that are clamoring for our attention. That, that need to be silenced because they have drowned out the voice of God in our lives. You know, we may read the Word of God, but we, we, we only spend, what, 30 minutes with the Lord a day? Maybe less? Hopefully not. Hopefully more. But there's 24 hours in a day, yet we only devote a few minutes to God and His Word. We have questions. God, speak to me. What would you have me do? You know, we look here in, 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 in Acts chapter 13. Notice the conditions of the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. You want to know what God would have you do? Then get up off your, uh, out of your chair and start serving the Lord. Get down on your knees and start praying. Turn, get off of Facebook. Not right now if you're watching this on Facebook. Uh, but you know, get off, get off the computer. Turn off the television. Turn off the radio and seek the Lord. Because if He says, call unto Me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The Holy Spirit of God speaks. But notice He also intercedes. I'm very thankful for the intercessory work of God in my life. Turn to Romans chapter 8 please. Romans chapter 8. Aren't you glad that God intercedes for you in prayer? In Romans chapter 8, in verse number 26, the Bible says, Likewise, 
the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been there? You've got a problem, but you don't know how to pray for it. You've got to make a decision, but you don't know even how to ask, and you don't even know where to begin. You just know that something must be done. Well, that likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you realize that God's prayer, that the Holy Spirit, as He prays for us, He never prays uh, incorrect? It's always right. He's always praying according to God's will for our lives. Even when we don't know what God's will is, God knows what God's will is. And He prays according to His will for us. Do you want to know what God is praying for you at this moment? Read John chapter 17. That's the Lord Jesus' prayer. That is the Lord's prayer. Not, the, not to be confused with the model prayer, which is our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? That's the model prayer. You want to know the Lord's prayer? Read John 17. He's praying, he's praying for that. He's praying that for you right now. But he intercedes. He also testifies. The Holy Spirit testifies. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. In verse number 26. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, we find uh, Jesus speaking concerning the Comforter. I'm thankful that that's one of His names. Aren't you glad that He is the Comforter? In, in life, you will need comfort because life is hard. Man is but a few days and full of trouble. Life is difficult. We are faced with undesirable things quite often. And there's sadness, discouragement, but God has given you the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says in chapter 15 and verse 26 that He testifies. It says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send uh, unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of Me. Who is He testifying for or of? Jesus Christ. Hey, just remember the Lord. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Just remember Jesus. Turn your eyes upon the Lord. Remember that Jesus endured much contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Friends, he, he testifies of Christ. Who is this Jesus? He's the Son of God. He's God the Son. He's the only Savior of the world. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's a constant companion. He died in your place. He paid for your sins. And because of Christ, we can be more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We're in Romans chapter 8. Well, we were in Romans chapter 8. But turn, there, turn back there quickly. Romans chapter 8. and In verse number 35 of Romans 8, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Verse 38 of Romans 8 it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, 
uh, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we're going through hardship, the Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, He testifies of Christ. He gives hope. He gives confidence. He gives assurance. He increases our faith. He causes us to look upward. Instead of being distracted by all of this, He testifies. Notice He also commands. The Holy Spirit also commands. Turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter number 16. The Bible says now, in verse number 6, Now when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia uh, and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. He would not allow Paul and Silas to go into, uh, uh, into Bithynia He forbid them not. He commanded them, hey, don't go there. Stop. Don't take another step. He forbid them to go. It says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. He commands. Sometimes I often wonder in our own lives, if we've ever gotten out of step with the Lord. He was telling us to stop, but we ignored His commands. Friends, again, we must listen to the Lord. Because as much, just as He commands, He guides. Look there. He guides Turn back to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Let's begin in verse, uh, verse number 7 of John chapter 16. There's some amazing prepositions uh, in, this, in this particular passage of Scripture. Verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Aren't you glad he doesn't lie? Lord, he can't lie. He's truthful. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He says, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and He see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Lord will guide you and me into all truth. Well, here's the age-old question, what is truth? Thy word is truth. Christian, he's our guide. He's in our hearts. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And He's guiding us into truth. Do you realize that God wants you to know truth? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall, what? Make you free. And if the Son has therefore set you free, you shall be free indeed. 
Friends, the truth makes us free. And as we and in God wants to guide us into the truth so that we can, can truly know and enjoy the liberty we have in Jesus Christ. Not a liberty to sin, but a liberty to live for God. A liberty to obey His Word. A liberty to, to know that in His presence there is fullness of joy. And He's our God. I'm thankful that he teaches us. Turn also to John 14 where we find that he's our teacher. John chapter 14. Verse 26, the Bible says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He's our teacher. Don't you love teachers? The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher you'll ever have. Why? Because of the subject matter. I can look back over my education career, right? It was my job to get up and go to school. There were certain classes that I enjoyed because the teachers made them interesting, you know. Or there was classes I enjoyed because, hey, the subject matter was something I enjoyed and it didn't matter how poor the teacher was, right? I was still going to have fun in the class. But the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is the ultimate teacher. Look there again in, in chapter 14 and verse 26 of John. It says, um, it says, But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. What is he teaching us? He's teaching us the words of Christ. He's teaching us concerning the Lord. He's teaching us concerning our faith and trust in God. He's teaching us the Word. Every day, you can learn something more from the Word of God. Every day. You can never exhaust the contents of this book. You can get up, you can read it. You might come to a passage that you don't understand. I'm reminded of... (laughs) of the Ethiopian eunuch as he traveled through the desert and, and Philip came upon his, uh, uh, came to him in his journey and he was reading from the book of Isaiah in really chapter 53. And Philip asked him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand except someone explain it to me, right? Philip joined himself to his company and explained to him the word of God and that man got saved. But we have one better than Philip. We have the Holy Spirit in our own lives, in our own hearts. And he wants to teach us how to live the Christian life. He wants to teach us all the things concerning our Lord. But if you have a teacher, you need to be in his classroom. How how often do you sit in the Holy Spirit's classroom each day? This is your textbook. And He wants to teach you what the Word of God says. But notice also He performs miracles. He also performs miracles. In Acts chapter 8, turn there please. In Acts chapter number 8. In verse number 39. It says, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. After that Ethiopian eunuch, the one we just spoke of, after he had gotten saved, he, they stopped and Philip baptized him. As soon as he would come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit took him away. Took him to Caesarea, miles away, right? But God, he performs miracles. 
But turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. We find that the Holy Spirit searches. He searches. In chapter 2 and verse 10 of 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, But God hath revealed them unto him by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. He searches. For no man knoweth the things of, of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual with spiritual. But, at, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit of God searches the things of God. And again, in verse 13, he teaches us the things that he has searched, that he knows. We're thankful for the actions of the Holy Spirit. But notice the reactions. The reactions of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter number 4, turn quickly there, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30, we find that the Holy Spirit, again, which we've mentioned already concerning His, uh, His emotion, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He may be grieved. In, in verse 30 He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He reacts. He can be grieved. I pray that our actions don't bring grief to the Lord. But in Isaiah chapter 63, we find that the Lord may be vexed. Turn there quickly, quickly Isaiah chapter 63. In verse number 10, the Bible says, But they rebelled and vexed His Holy Spirit. Therefore He was turned to their enemy and He fought against them. He can be vexed. In Acts chapter 5, we find that he can be tempted. This is an interesting story here in Acts chapter 5. Story of Ananias and Sapphira. Turn there, Acts chapter 5. It says in verse number 1 of Acts 5, it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. We find that in chapter 4, that was, that was the popular thing to do. Uh, everybody was selling their stuff and, and bringing it to the church. Everybody had all things in common. And that was, everybody wanted to get in on it, including Ananias and Sapphira. It says, they sold a possession and kept back part of the price, instead of giving it all like everybody else had done. Right? They kept back part of it. But they wanted everybody to think that they gave everything. Yet they kept that one part back. And said, uh, his wife also being privy uh, to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine, in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. He told him that he lied to the Holy Ghost in verse number 3, but in verse 4 he said he lied to God. Say, hey, it was yours. You know, before you sold it, it was yours. After you sold it, it was yours. Don't lie. Be honest. God doesn't care. 
And he says in verse number 5, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Man, just dropped dead right there in front of the apostles. Can you imagine what was going on in the minds of everybody that was in that room? Wow. It says in, in verse 6, And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. Get this guy out of here, you know? <laughs> Wrapped him up, carried him away. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. In verse 9, the Bible says, Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Are you testing the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. We can tempt the Lord. How do we tempt the Lord? Well, you see a prime example right here, just lying, continual lying, conniving, deceitfulness, rebellion. Be not deceived, friends. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth of the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. Christians, we... We understand that God is not to be tested or tempted or trifled with. He's Almighty God. We find another reaction that we find that He can be resisted as well. You know, you can resist the Lord. In Acts chapter 7, in verse 51, notice what the Word of God says. says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. And Stephen was one bold preacher. They didn't like what he said. That's why they stoned him to death. But they resisted the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, they, they said, no! I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to obey. Leave me alone. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Let the Lord work in your heart and life. And then we find that He can be blasphemed. He can be blasphemed. Turn to Mark chapter 3 as we close here this evening. Mark chapter number 3. In verses 29 and 30, it says, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. To deny the Holy Spirit of God is to deny God. To deny the Holy Spirit is to deny Jesus Christ. Christians, may we live our lives in a manner that glorifies and honors Him. As we close, turn back, please, to the book of John. I'm sorry. I told you we were closing with Mark. Forgive me. I didn't lie. I just misspoke. Okay. In John chapter 14, I want to encourage you to make a decision tonight. A commitment. Not to me. Not to those sitting next to you, near you, or around you. But a commitment to the Lord. The Bible says in verse 26, "...but the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you." 
I want to encourage you tonight to place yourself in the Holy Spirit's classroom. How can we be taught if we never place ourselves in a position where He can teach us? Well, how do I do that? Well, you, it begins with this book. I want to encourage you to take... To, your classroom can be an office desk. Your classroom can be a living room. It could be a dining room table. Find a place. Get alone with the Lord. Crack open your textbook and allow the teacher who lives in your heart to teach you the Word of God. Hosea tells us that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we see so many false doctrines in the world today, so many things that, um, that, that lure people astray. You know, yesterday was Ash Wednesday. We don't celebrate Ash Wednesday as Bible-believing people. It's a pagan holiday, traceable all the way back to the book of Ezekiel. Interesting. We don't celebrate that. We don't celebrate Lent. Why? Because it's not founded in the Word of God. That's why. As Bible-believing Christians, we become so entangled with, with worldliness and all of these ideas that have become intertwined with quote-unquote Christianity today. But if we would just allow the Holy Spirit of God to be our teacher, to read the Word of God, to spend time with the Lord, and allow God to speak to our hearts, imagine how different our lives would be. And over the next week, I want to challenge you. Over the next week, Will you give an hour a day to the Lord? One hour a day. It doesn't have to be all at once. David said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. But there was times that he gave every day to spending time with the Lord in prayer. And I say so too should we, as God's people. Just imagine the difference the Lord will make in our lives if we truly allow Him to teach us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just a moment we'll be dismissed. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I want to make that commitment tonight. I want to, I'm going to do my very best to spend one hour with God every day. Is that you? For the next seven days, I'm going to try my best to spend one hour with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Be the best hour of your day. A preacher friend that I know has the no breakfast rule. He won't even eat breakfast until he spends an hour with God. It's convicting. Get alone with the Lord. Allow God to help you. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Because I'm not sure heaven is my home. If I were to die tonight, I truly don't know if I'd spend eternity in heaven. Will you please pray for me, Pastor? May I pray for you? And understand that God loves you. That Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, was buried and rose again from the grave. And the only thing you and I can do to get to heaven is not becoming part of a church. It's not being baptized. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not about any type of reform of life. The Word of God actually describes it as this. It's repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You ask the Lord to forgive your sin, and by faith you look to Jesus Christ for your salvation. In Romans 10.13, the Word of God assures our hearts, saying, 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, oh, now is the best time to do it. You may not have another opportunity. The Word of God says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. May God help us. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word tonight. And Lord, we're thankful for the Spirit of God who lives within our hearts. We're thankful that You are real. Lord, that You are a real person. And Lord, even next time we meet in this study, we'll find that You have, you have all the all the, all the deity, uh, all the a- attributes of deity. Lord, we know that you are eternal God. And Father, tonight we pray that you would help us place ourselves in your classroom where we can be taught the Word of God. Where we can learn more about Christ and how to live a life that glorifies and honors you. And, and Lord, that, that it's your working in our lives that helps all of this come to be. That we don't have to live our lives uh, for you in our own strength. But you come alongside to help us. And that as we spend time with you, as we yield ourselves to you, you produce these fruits in our lives. And help us become more like our Lord. But Father, we pray that you keep us safe tonight as we travel home. I know it's been snowing and the roads may be slick. So keep us safe, Father. Bring us all back together on, on Saturday as men for the faithful men's and Sunday that you would work in the conference and, and truly, truly help our homes. But Father, we love you. We thank you for all you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You are dismissed.